May I speak now in the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? I'm sure that many of us can identify with the frustration behind that question. Uh, In my youth and early adulthood, I frequently remember thinking, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God that one. I don't know if you've uh, had a similar thought. Of course, uh, the pressing questions have continued to come throughout life since then. There's still much that I don't fully understand. But now I tend to think that when I do enter into the fullness of God's kingdom, finding out the right answers to those questions just won't seem all that relevant. Who knows? We'll find out. But as you read the Gospels, it's easy to get a feel for just how frustrated the religious people of Jesus' day were by the way he handled their questions. How long... Will you keep us in suspense? Could easily be translated from the Greek as, How long do you intend to annoy or provoke us? I guess by the end of our passage, the simple answer to that question would have been, For a bit longer at least. Uh, Father Richard Raw, a Franciscan priest, wrote the following in 2006. Jesus is asked 183 questions directly in the four Gospels. He only answered three of them forthrightly. The others he either ignored, kept silent about, asked a question in return, changed the subject, told a story or gave an audiovisual aid to make his point, told them it was the wrong question, revealed their insincerity or hypocrisy, made the exact opposite point, or redirected the question elsewhere. Richard Raw carries on, check it out for yourself. Jesus himself asks 307 questions, which would seem to set a pattern for imitation. Our gospel reading this morning is no exception to that pattern. The Jews who had gathered around Jesus wanted clarity about his identity and his ministry. But Jesus, in response simply exhorted them to work it out for themselves. Whilst at this point in John's Gospel, Jesus had not explicitly declared himself to be God's Messiah, his teaching and his works carried out in his Father's name should have been enough to answer their question about who he is. So why wasn't it? Why, given the accounts of Jesus' miraculous works, why, given the growing number of people gathering whenever he was in town, why, given his unique and somewhat controversial teaching about him preceding Abraham and leading God's people as the good shepherd, why, given all of this, were the people so slow to catch on? In our gospel passage this morning, Jesus gives us three reasons why. And in each case, we are able to see the opposite demonstrated in the story of Tabitha from our Acts reading. The three reasons Jesus gives for their unbelief, which I'd like us to consider together over the next few minutes, are firstly, that they do not belong. Secondly, that they do not hear. And thirdly, that they do not know. Firstly, 
Jesus said to his frustrated questioners, you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. Of course, our passage comes at the end of Jesus' discourse in which he identified himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he contrasts himself as the good shepherd to the hired hands who run from danger because the sheep do not belong to them. So leaving the sheep to their fate, you can read that in the early part of the chapter. To get a better handle on what Jesus was saying here, we need to pay heed to the context in which Jesus was teaching. John tells us that it was at the time of the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. This feast was held annually in the winter to commemorate the rededication of the temple after its cleansing and restoration under Judas Maccabeus in 184 BC. As part of the liturgy for the festival of dedication, chapter 34 of Ezekiel's prophecy would have been read. In that chapter, God expresses his anger at those whom he calls shepherds of his flock, the people who had been entrusted with the political, moral, and spiritual leadership of his people. To these shepherds, Ezekiel declared, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You've not strengthened the weak, you've not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you've not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds. But Ezekiel 34 doesn't end there. The text concludes with a powerful promise of God. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. I will feed them with justice. It was against this familiar liturgical context that Jesus compared himself with the failing hired hands and declared himself to be the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The first reason why those gathered around Jesus did not believe in Jesus was because, he says, they do not belong to his sheep. But if Jesus is the good shepherd, God fulfilling that ancient promise from Ezekiel, this was nothing short of a stinging rebuke. It's as if Jesus was saying, You think that you belong, but you don't. You think that others don't belong, but they do. Think again. You do not believe because you do not belong. How long do you intend to annoy or provoke us, Lord? For a bit longer, at least. In our Acts passage, Tabitha, or Dorcas, as her Greek name would have been, was described as a disciple, devoted to good works and acts of charity. She belonged. She had committed her life to following Jesus. And for Luke, this was important enough to name explicitly 
at the beginning of his account of her dramatic revival. Belonging to Jesus is the first requirement of faith because this belonging is not an exclusive club. There are no qualifications that cause some to be in and some to be out, save that of following Jesus as his disciple. You do not belong, but all people can belong. The second reason Jesus gives for their unbelief is that they do not hear. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. It's a theme that Jesus had already spelt out in more detail in the opening verses of this chapter. The one who enters by the gate, he said, is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Whilst the emphasis here falls on the shepherd to call his sheep, the response of obedience is equally important. The problem was that in the midst of the competing narratives about Jesus and what constituted true religion, those gathered around him seemed unable to hear his authentic voice. They didn't believe because they didn't hear. What about us? Against the noise of complex and often competing religious and moral claims, can we recognize and follow the authentic voice of our shepherd? Do we understand the scriptures? Do we listen for the still small voice of God in the midst of our prayers? Have we found safe places and relationships in which we can discern together? Even in death, Tabitha was able to hear the voice of her shepherd spoken through Peter. Tabitha, get up. The account of Peter raising Tabitha reminds us of Jesus raising Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5. On that occasion, Jesus had said, little girl, get up. Talitha kum in Aramaic. If Peter was speaking here in Aramaic whilst raising Tabitha, as is most probable, only one single letter would have differed in his words. Tabitha kum, as opposed to Talitha kum. Tabitha heard and responded, not to Peter, but to the voice of her shepherd, Jesus. And in doing so, a miracle took place. The ancient shepherd-sheep picture is intensely relational. Shepherding was not simply a job. The shepherd cared deeply for the safety and well-being of the sheep, such that the sheep had an absolute and unquestioned faith in the shepherd's instructions. It's an analogy, with its roots firmly embedded in the Hebrew tradition, for the relationship that each one of us can enjoy with the good shepherd. Do we hear his voice and follow? And the third and final reason Jesus gave for their unbelief highlights the benefit of knowing the shepherd and following his voice. I give them eternal life, Jesus said, and they will never perish. No one 
will snatch them out of my hand. They didn't believe because they didn't know this protection and life. Tabitha did. Luke describes what Peter did immediately after Tabitha sat up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. I love the fact that Luke, writing in Greek, draws attention to the fact that her name, Tabitha, in Greek would have been Dorcas, so that those who read can tell what her name means. That's the only reason why it would be necessary to translate it for us. And the name Tabitha, or its Greek equivalent Dorcas, literally means a gazelle. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear the word gazelle, I immediately link it with galloping. It's an image of being very much alive. Those who belong to Jesus, the good shepherd, those who hear and follow his voice, are given eternal life. Not simply pie in the sky when we die, but life in all its fullness, beginning here and now. Because those who are entrusted to Jesus by the Father cannot be snatched from his hands. I've no doubt that many of those who questioned Jesus on that winter's day would have left still frustrated. They were certainly provoked by what Jesus said next. The Father and I are one. For if not true, this was nothing short of blasphemy. But had they really known their scriptures, even just the Ezekiel passage that stood at the liturgical heart of the festival they were celebrating, they might just have understood that they too were invited to belong to the Good Shepherd. They too were able to hear his voice. They too could enjoy life in all its eternal fullness. It's an invitation for each one of us, and an invitation that Jesus wants to extend to the whole world, and friends, we are carriers of that invitation.